Hello friends, before we get started on this next amazing episode, I just wanted to give a short shout out to our team at Metal Cloak, the group that makes this podcast possible. From engineering to production, from marketing to sales, from accounting to HR, every member of the Metal Cloak family works diligently every day to bring some of the world's best products to the off-road enthusiast. Designed, engineered, proven, Metal Cloak. That is not just a clever cadence written by me, but a true statement of what we do every day and why we truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you are looking for something for your Jeep, Ram, Bronco, or Toyota, give us a try. We are here to help. And now, on to another amazing episode of The Modern Jeeper Show. An amazing group of people that were very passionate, not only about Jeeps, but about their clubs, the others that were there, making sure everybody was taken care of and happy, and raising money and supporting Mission 22. The Modern Jeeper Show, the show about Jeeps, Jeeping, and Jeepers. Hello, Modern Jeepers, and welcome to episode number 44 of the Modern Jeeper Show, the show about Jeeps, Jeeping, and Jeepers. This week, myself, Mr. Modern Jeeper, Corey Osborne, and Metal Cloak's Matson Brakey recap this past weekend's events, mainly the Jeeps and Jingles event that took place in Tucson, Arizona. With our special guest and contributing writer for Modern Jeeper, Jesse Greenland, Rockstar Jeep Girl, we talk about hotel restaurants, how taking pictures has changed, what the millennials have to look forward to, what it takes to name your Jeep, why less is actually so much more, why disconnecting from your devices is important, what FOMO means, whether or not every picture you take is important, why magazines are moving digital, and why knowing your rig should be your top priority. And of course, we have our tech tip of the week, where Matson and I discuss how problem solving really should start with the utmost attention to details, only reaching out to those that you trust the most, and why it pays to do a little research before you dive headfirst off the boat without the tools you need to help you make a good diagnosis. You can find helpful links to many of the things we talk about in this week's episode at ModernJeeperShow.com. And make sure to check out ModernJeeperAdventures.com for our growing list of upcoming adventures that you hear us talk about on the show. As always, Modern Jeeper is extremely grateful to our partners, including Warren Winches, Raceline Wheels, Best Top, Milestar Tires, Rugged Radios, and of course, Metal Cloak. So sit back, relax with a cold one, and enjoy episode number 44 of the Modern Jeeper Show. Well, hey, Modern Jeepers, it's another episode of the Modern Jeeper Show. Matson here with Metal Cloak and Mr. Modern Jeeper, Corey Osborne. Hey, Matson. And hey, we have somebody else in the room with us. We do. Please introduce her. So, uh, Jesse and I, Rockstar Jeep Girl, just got back from uh, Tucson. So, she traveled with me up to Metal Cloak's headquarters. And, uh, yeah, we're able to kind of hang out here at the, the world headquarters for 
the rest of the week. We're at the mothership, as some there people you go. call it. <laughs> um, it's kind of cool, though, because, yeah, you know, it's all, it's pretty rare that you guys get a podcast where we're all in the same room. Usually we're using Uber conference and, and dialing in from different parts of the country or uh, the famous Arby's parking lot. And uh, it was at Texas or New Mexico. Uh, New Mexico, New my Mexico. my Raton, New Mexico, Arby's stop yes. is a pretty. You know, I, I got to share with our listeners um, in our testing of setting up this conference and mess, and I came to the conclusion that one person calling into a conference call software does not make a conference. Yes, one person does not make a conference. One hand cannot clap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's there's further analogies I could go down there, but then we're going to get a little raunchy, and that's just not appropriate for this family show. That's right. So that's great, Jesse. Welcome. Hi, it's nice to be here. Yeah, you know, and sort of for our Modern Jeeper fans, you know, you definitely see Jesse's articles um, popping up on Modern Jeeper. Uh, not only, I think, one of your first articles ever was the recap of the 2018 Rubicon trip, right? Yes, it was a fabulous trip. I'm ready to go back. That was an awesome (laughs) article, too. Some great pictures, you know, great sharing. And uh, if you really want to know what that trip's like, check that article out. Because, you know, there was a couple articles that popped up on JP and Four Wheeler Network, I think it was, which is something we'll have to talk about here, that whole big change in that world. Um, and uh, Four Wheeler Network about the, the last Rubicon trip, the 2019 one. But they're they're short. They're like short, little, concise ones, like three, four paragraphs and some images, which are kind of cool. But you really kind of got into the spirit of it. And being the first time out there really was great to see you know, your reaction to it. Well, getting a take from firsthand people, because I get asked all the time, well, how was the Rubicon Trail? And no one really understands. I mean, it's it's a 10 all the way through. You have to really pay attention. Mm. It's not like it's Moab. You do an obstacle and go down the trail. Right. right? You've got to be on it constantly. Right. And, and, and it's the only real way to get to where you want to get. If you want to go to the springs, you've got on the Rubicon Trail. There's no bypasses. There are bypasses for a couple of the more extreme obstacles, but um, there really aren't any. You know, you've got to go through some sections, and it's just no choice. No, and and when I read books, I visually see everything in my head, and that's kind of how I like to do my articles too. So you can kind of be in that moment. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we love having you part of the Modern Jeeper group. I love and, it. <laughs> and hanging out with Corey and, uh, and Mr. Modern Jeepers. Does that make you like, uh, well, you can't say Mrs. Modern Jeeper, <laughs> but uh, so Rockstar Jeep Girl, how did that come about? Is that just the name of your Jeep or how did that? Um, the name of my Jeep, yes, it is my 2009 JK. Um, I got it as a sport. Um, I've got some uh, Rubicon axles under it now. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a, there's a whole backstory on getting that Jeep in my driveway. And it was, uh, everybody thought I should call it redemption. And that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like to sing. I love hair bands and it, and I love the shape of stars. So kind of fitting. I love playing rock band all the time. So, hey, why not rock star? That's awesome. Maybe we'll have to. That sounds like a whole additional article coming up in in uh, on moderndeeper.com is uh, kind of some of that more of that backstory. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting. <laughs> that would be awesome. Love to see that because the you know we were talking earlier and our tech tip of the week is going to be uh, we've already discussed that, but maybe we need to do a tip of like how to name your Jeep. There you go. Because you know we suck here at Motorclub about that. We absolutely do. We have this Jeep out there that's this built. Uh, it's a white. It's an 
technically it's an 88YJ with a CJ front clip and a TJ long arm suspension. And I even went out there one day and put it in this, it's this beautiful color orange, right? And people have seen it finally because we did some Instagram pictures on it. But I even did a, something to our community, like help us name it. But the picture looked more red than orange. And everybody wanted to call it Clifford. <laughs> Clifford, the big red dog. I'm like, no, it's not red, guys. It's orange. And then so we all things. And I think the guy who posted, one of my marketing guys here, interns, I'll call him, because uh, technically he's a sales guy. He does a lot of the Instagram stuff for us. Landed. He posted it up as the all J. I'm like, oh, you know, that's that's Quinn. That's Quinn up there at Big Bear. He's all J. You know, he's all J. Right. But all J is just like such a such a fallback. But yeah, we suck here. Never. It's cloak three. Well, which one's cloak? Cloak three. Oh, isn't that the Ruby cloak? No, no, no. They're all Ruby cloak. Right. When you cloak out a Rubicon, it's a Ruby cloak, you know, right. it's, and it, you know, yeah, so we're, we're bad about that. So maybe we have to do one of those. There you go. I, I think that um, naming a Jeep becomes such a personal thing. And uh, literally the first really off-road company that I worked for was Tony at Genrite. And we spent, we were on a road trip to Texas and we spent about 10 hours uh, one afternoon when I was first building Spike and Spike didn't have a name and wanted it to be something short and something. And then literally like I had a sheet of paper and we wrote down as we drove numerous names and kind of, it became what had significant meaning to you. Mm. Um, but Spike's name came from the first trail I ever did in Moab was actually an 86 Ford Bronco, but we went and ran golden spike mm. and uh, yeah, Spike was also a nickname of my mom from, from her dad, he used to call her Spike. Um, there was a whole bunch of little weird meanings to it, and it just, it was like, of course, that's its name. And, of course, then Golden Spike evolved from, well, it's got some gold parts on it. <laughs> that so, makes sense. Yeah, that was a little, I, you know, again, though, it's hard to say Golden Spike. Uh, Names become too long or too complicated, then you don't use them as much. Right. So, yeah, sometimes short to the point, easy meaning, it, but it's all a very personal thing for sure. And you see that out there. Some people have done some incredible jobs. You know, you've been being across the country and seeing thousands of Jeeps. There's a few duplicates. You know, there's quite a there's a quite a few Jeeps that have all like uh, connected themselves somehow to the Transformers. Um, there's quite a few Jeeps that you know, if you get into the orange Jeep, they get into connecting themselves with with Caterpillar and. And you know, there's there's just a bound to be duplicate, but yeah, color, I recently, color comes into play. Color comes into play. <laughs> I recently saw Guardians of the Galaxy, which I'd never really seen before. I love that movie. And uh, yeah, I, I really wanted a I wanted Jeep named Groot. Um, but apparently there's a couple of groups out there too. Oh, so there is. In fact, uh, I was just looking on Instagram, there was somebody who had commented on one of our posts, Groot underscore JK is his actual Instagram name, right? So, yeah, you have people out there doing that sort of thing. And Now they'll have Baby Yoda and... Baby Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Mandalorian. God, I've been, I've been loving that. Uh, you people with internet. Yes. <laughs> well, when you, you know, uh, for our fans who know I've been out and, and stuff, I, I, I spent four hours at the office yesterday, a couple hours here today, um, just so I can do this recording. So it's been, I've been getting my feet wet should be back to normal next week, um, back full-time. I get my clearance on Monday, but what are you going to do when you're sitting there and 
have such odd sleep patterns because I'll take naps in the afternoon and then I can't get to sleep. So, you know, I ended up signing up for Disney Plus. And it's, it's pretty awesome because it's got all the stuff there for the kids, right? Like, And it's only like $6.99 a month? It's, it's $4.99 or 5 if you sign up for a year. You pay for a year. It's like 5 6 bucks, whatever. So I paid for the year. Um, and, you know, first off, for my kids, being able to now take them through all the toy stories and take them through all the cars and take them through and convince my son he should be watching Cars more than Frozen. <laughs> I really, yes. really like Frozen. In fact, I think my mom or my wife's going to take him to see Frozen 2. Like, that being said, um, it's great. Then you have the Star Wars, right? And you've got, and so Mandalorian started watching the Justin episode 5. I mean, it's it's cool getting a weekly dose of Star Wars. I'm going to have to spend some more nights in a hotel, I guess, using their internet or something. <laughs> um, I've been on him about the Mandalorian for yeah. sure. <laughs> well, awesome. and the, uh, for our listeners, I mean, it, to have Matson back, we're all sitting in, in Matson's office uh, at, at the headquarters here. What a cool thing to have you back, be able to go back to work, just having surgery. And, and it's kind of like, no, nothing really ever happened. Yeah. 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 Other yeah, than that big hole look, inside of your head. I look just as bad as I did before. <laughs> <laughs> Except now I just get tired easily. It's like, yeah, I uh Justin here who Justin's our plant manager and he um he picks me up on the way. And so because I still don't have permission to drive. Hopefully I'll get permission to drive next next week. And it's not so much that I can't drive or that there's something mentally wrong and I'm going to turn right instead of left and cause an accident. It's just that if you're in an accident after having surgery like this, it could reverse things and cause problems. So it's better to just avoid anything like that. Um, and just like not being able to sneeze, just like all these other things they want you not to do. But Justin picks me up, and then my wife is picking me up on the way back. But Justin, you know, he saw me the first thing on Monday morning, the first thing he came out of your mouth, well, damn, you, you look just as bad as you did yeah, before no, picture. No improvements <laughs> or nothing. Well, and I, I will say that uh, I'm still getting emails about 1 o'clock in the morning, I've noticed. Yeah, well, that one, two, three. It was, <laughs> there was a few nights there I was like, 4.30, I should probably get some sleep. <laughs> it's hard not to. And and the beauty of a world today where we can log into your laptop and you can log into your computers at the office, you can download files and make adjustments. And everybody who followed our Black Friday sale, all the graphics that were done, all that I was doing from my recovery bed. The only time I wasn't connected was the two days I was in ICU or three days, really, I was in ICU and I left my phone and I didn't have my phone. And it was beautiful because, mm-hmm. you know, there's something about it. It's okay to disconnect. Yes. It's okay. And if you're disconnecting, it means going on the Rubicon trip because you don't have internet access for four days or going to some other event because you don't have it. It's okay to disconnect. It's we, I just saw an article the other day or a show about uh, a restaurant where you deposit your phone at the front and oh, they'll wow. give you a discount on your meal as you don't take your phone into the restaurant. You know, I think a lot of people won't do that because of that whole I can't let go thing. But what, a you know, we need to reverse that a little bit. And if we do, we do need to disconnect some and and let it go. And I I'm trying to do way better when I'm driving. I honestly do try not to text and drive anymore. Number one, it's illegal. And but it's really hard. You know, I've turned off the notifications for text. I if I pull over and get fuel, 
I'll glance through there and see if anything is an emergency. But nine times out of, the ten, out of 10, it's nothing is an emergency. Right. If somebody has an emergency, they'll call. Yeah. So letting some of that go when I'm driving is, is been, it's, it's nice. I'm actually looking around as I'm driving. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. Well, and what about being in a restaurant? Maybe you're not on your phone. You're actually talking to the person you're sitting there and eating with, or maybe talking to a neighbor. If you're sitting at the, you know, it's like we get so immersed in this that we forget about this world around us. And it's what I love about overlanding or I love about cheaping or love going out. It's okay to be disconnected. It's okay to set it down. I read an article once from a guy who he's a big tech leader and he takes the December, month of December. It's his new thing. Every December, he disconnects for the entire month. Wow. He, he puts his phone down and you, you can get a hold of him, but he's not going to be tech. He like goes back to just as if there was no world of texting, no world of any of this. You know, he has his regulated email, checks it, you know, whatever it is, for once a day at a certain time, texts it and looks for emergencies. But I think he has an assistant that will like forward him stuff. It's really important. But it's, he disconnects and it's so refreshing starting the new year with a new viewpoint. I remember before I did the hike on the Pacific Crest Trail back 10 years ago, or God, almost, almost 12 years ago now, when I did that hike, um, leading up to that, I was a, um, a, a Twitter addict. I mean, I was doing everything and I was using quick QIK, which was a big software back then for doing live video on Twitter. And I was using it all the time, but three weeks on the trail, when I came back, I kind of stopped using it. That was the end of my Twitter. I mean, I use it in some things, but I, it, it's good to disconnect and realize what's important and what's not. You know, I think there's, there's so much to be said for that from a perspective of our lives and, and our lives, what we do on a day-to-day basis. Uh, when I used to do a lot of scuba diving, and, and it's no different than going out on Jeep trails, um, they're just not as long. So you go to a different country and you spend a week or two underwater with no internet service or cell service. Um, when you come back home, it was always very interesting to go home and go, wow, I don't need anything that I actually have. Things become what we were thinking we needed to buy or what we wanted. All of those things become very secondary. And I think that as Jeepers and off-roaders, when we get out into the, the, the mountains and we get out on these trails, it's such a, a good opportunity to kind of change your perspective on what it is that's important. Is it the people that you're on the trail with or is it really important that you get that email answered to somebody that you know nothing about? I mean, I think social media has become that in a little bit of a ways that we get to keep track of our friends and family and those kind of things, but we are also so interactive with things that just aren't maybe that important. Exactly. And there's, there's a great book I have called Essentialism by Greg McCowan. M-C-K-E-O-W-N. It's available, Kindle, whatever, all of this. It's about that. It's like it's reducing our lives. We're in such a world now. And you see, you know, there's there's a lot of things you can say about the millennials. But I find that the millennials are more into essentialism than than we are. Like we're all about big houses and and places to store all our stuff and all those things. And I'm a hoarder. From the only from the standpoint that I have a box that has pretty every business that I've ever done, every business I've tried to do, I've got a box for that, a banker's box with stuff stored in it, because it's my it, it's like my quote unquote legacy. It's like the things I want to remember, you know, about about my past, my history. And whereas 
the millennials are much, they may be much more of a, um, a throwaway society, meaning that they don't really care about what happened yesterday. It's all digital. We're just saying it there, but they're more essential in that they can live in these tiny homes or they can do this thing or they can travel more and find out what's important about life as opposed to like trying to have a big house where you have a garage you have to clean every weekend. Right. And so, but the essentialism, Greg McGowan, it's a, it's like about that. And so in our own household, I know we go through a dilemma between my wife and I, because, you know, I'm working on her, but she still has a 400 square foot, um, a walk-in closet. So, (laughs) so it's a little hard to, to, to get that back to, unless I can turn that into a bedroom one day. (laughs) When we were watching a show, um, it just popped up that people are so worried about missing out. They're missing out on stuff that they they're so obsessed with getting on social media or anything. They're going to miss out on something. Mm. There's actually a, um, what is that acronym? It's F O M O fear of missing out. Mm. And it's becoming a real deal where you're so afraid that something's going on that you're not a part of, you know what? You're not a part of it. (laughs) So that's the whole, I think it's interesting that we become, uh Oh, if I'm not on there checking, then what if something takes place uh, that, that you're not there witnessing firsthand, but you're not there witnessing it firsthand anyway. So I, I think we have a we're in a dilemma society, right? We have things like um, is it Dave Ramsey's book about how to eliminate all your your debt, mm-hmm. uh, how to eliminate and live you know live in a, in a cash basis type of environment yet save enough for investing and all that kind of stuff versus this essentialism kind of uh, how our parents and grandparents had photo albums mm. like the actual you pull out your sticky page and you had these photos printed in these photo <laughs> albums those are well number one they've deteriorated now because they're old and the, the pictures are, are falling apart but i think it's interesting as we go forward where this the digital environment we become very we look at a photo and we go that's cool and then we dismiss it we move on we, every once in a while, it may come back into our, our future, and we look at it and we remember it and go, oh, yeah, I remember that time we were there. But, again, it's it's easy to just pass it and, and move on. And now with, you know, we upload, what, 100 or 1,000 pictures at a time, and it just becomes a, a scattered mess of memories. I don't know. It'll be interesting 20 years from now to see. It is. And it, I had a project years ago, and I never got off the ground, but it was called – one roll, one camera, one year. And it was in a world where now we have our phones where we might take 20 pictures to choose that one. You guys remember a time when you had a roll of film with 36 exposures. And it was like, if I sent that out to 12 different photographers, one a month over a period of a year, and said, you have three pictures to take, you're limited because there's three. What are the three pictures you would take? If I said, you can be at an event, you can take three pictures. What three pictures would you take? And, you know, we take so many pictures and shoot. Now, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you know, Amazon has their own photo storage for you. It's so easy to store all of this data. But what if what if you can only take one photo? That's I love that whole perspective. Like, is there something that important? Is, is there what is what summarizes the last month you lived? Do you have one photo? Could you take one photo or? Pick one photo from last month of each month of this year. 
I, I think that'd be great for us to use social media that way. Go on to Modern Jeeper, post a picture. I don't care if it's one or if it's 12, but that would be your limit. You'd only get, well, 12 now at the end of December is coming. Um, I think that's very interesting to have one photo that what is, what meant, what did that month mean to you? Or what brings back the fondest of those memories? That's, we, we do, we regurgitate everything that we did and, and they become less meaningful. Mm -hmm. So to have one for a month. Wow. Yeah. What, what the one photo that you would take, what's the most important? all the photos. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, get rid of some of this. I'm like, but no. Well, I'm an, Uber, I'm an Uber organizer. Matson knows this where for a long time, the first couple of years I was doing my role here with, with metal cloak and his modern Jeeper, he'd ask for, Hey, do we still have a photo of a blue JK from Daytona? And literally, I would be able to go and go, yep, here's that photo. And when I couldn't find it, I'd also be extremely frustrated. <laughs> but when you have literally thousands and thousands, I think my, my, the Lightroom catalog on my laptop has 58,000 images. That's hard because I, and I'll go through it and I'll look and go, oh, I remember that place or that event. or, But those have less meaning. If I had a couple of hundred pictures in there, they'd be very important, very much more meaningful photos. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's the, that is, you know, that's a challenge. Shoot, it's very easy to be a wedding photographer these days, right? I have friends that do, and we have people that do it. My father hated it because my father was a professional photographer, but that was in the days when you had film, and you could only take so many pictures, and you had to go through and develop them and figure out which ones are going to be used. And which, if you didn't capture the right moment because it was a second off, Whereas these wedding photographers, they'll take 2,000 photos in the, during the wedding. And then they go through and they find the 30 they're going to charge you for. Right? right. It's like it, it's so easy now to catch all those moments. Absolutely. And get it from multiple angles and get it from multiple things because of what technology has brought us. And I, I'm not saying anything bad about that technology. Right. But it's just the concept that we, we forget how to figure out what's important. Yes. And because it can all be, we can fit it all in. Right. No, it's, it's okay. We can fit it all in our world. We were just in Tucson for the Jeep and Jingles event. Bringing things back to Jeeps. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it was cool though. So we're, we, we've started this new Instagram page, CTI Tour. You can find it on Instagram. And, and Jesse actually takes a picture of every single Jeep we get on the CTI Trader along with their score. There were a couple of other photographers there for the event. I don't know if they were part of Canyon State Jeeps, which is also on Instagram, or Tucson Jeeps. Those were the two Jeep clubs that actually put that event together, all to support Mission 22, a fantastic organization that supports veterans. Anyways, these two photographers have now been posting on CTI Tour and Facebook as well. And it's pretty amazing because... They're the same pictures that we posted on our Instagram page, but different perspectives. Mm. So you've got, you know, almost the exact same photo, whether they used a little bit different post-processing techniques or whatever that photographer's quote-unquote signature is. It's been fun to look and go, hey, that's the exact same photo, but it looks completely different. In fact, I had to look at them and go, was that Jeep on the trailer? Oh, that's that Jeep. So again, it's, it's um, everybody's perspective is unique when they're taking a picture and i think that being able to to have them be more meaningful 
that that same perspective, three different photographers taking three different pictures and every single one of them being different. That's pretty, that's pretty special. That is. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool that they, they have that. It's pretty smart of the group to have some photographers out there doing some stuff to document it because, you know, it's like doing the Rubicon trail or doing, um, any sort of adventure, whether it's our modern, upcoming modern cheaper adventures, you know, we, we try to always have somebody around who documents the events because, you know, these are once in a lifetime moments for some people. And, and they are, and, and the people we meet as well. I mean, I have an article coming up just on that very same thing. We go into social media and all these people friend us because you have a Jeep. Mm. And then you end up eventually meeting those people and you grow substantially. I mean, I think meeting those people and getting to know them in their circle is awesome as well. Yeah, it's very true. We had a guy, um, oh gosh, his name, and I forget the, the tag, what his Instagram was. The what guy who came out, I was at John a couple of times and displayed his Jeep at Jeep Beach for us. Cloaked Rubicon or something like that. Hard Rock. Hard Rock. Cloaked Hard Rock, I think. Was, was, I think that's his Instagram. Yeah. And there were people that came by um, recognizing his Jeep and just wanting to meet him there. Like, hey, they'd never met. They didn't have a follower for years and mm-hmm. and whatever and had you know traded. So it is interesting about social media. It has built this just network of, of acquaintances. Yes. And we call them friends, but truly they're acquaintances. And you people all across the country that my wife, you know, she's part of a couple different groups and she has these people and she's like, Oh, I really hope that we get a chance to do a cross country trip again, because I want to meet this person. I know that I've been talking to on Facebook for, for two years, you know, and uh, it, it is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And the great thing about the Jeep community, I mean, again, bring us back to Jeeps and whether it's modern Jeep or Jeep community or just the people we meet. I mean, Corey, you, you did another, what, 1500 CTIs this year? Yeah, I think um, I'm getting old, so it's hard for me to keep track of the actual numbers, but I think now in six years on the road, I think we've gone just over 9,000 rigs on that trailer. Wow. Yeah, Crazy. But yeah, 1,500 additional this year with who knows how many people that we got to interact with that maybe didn't get a chance to get on the CTI trailer or that had friends that got up on the CTI trailer that they were with that ended up then buying a Jeep because of the event. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. You get all these people and they, 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 and many of them returns. We get many returns back coming back through. And I mean, it's just, it's just the beauty of this community and everybody in every group and every community you have those, you go, hmm, yeah, you need to, learn what the Jeep lifestyle really is about. And uh, maybe Jeeps aren't for you. Maybe you can go back to hot rods. Um, but for the most part, we just have amazing, amazing people. Yes. we. Uh, after we left Tucson, we were headed this direction. And a good friend of ours, Armando, uh, reached out and said, hey, you better stop by. And so we were able to stop by and, and see Armando and his wife and have breakfast with them. And again, that's part of that whole Jeep family of would it, would we have ever crossed paths had we not both worked in the Jeep industry? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But the fact that there are people out there that you have real relationships and things in common with automatically just by you, you both own a Jeep, that's part of that Jeep lifestyle that I'm not sure that, I mean, if we had a, if I had a Subaru and I, I don't know, is there other <laughs> Subaru family members? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that there probably are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but maybe not to the same level as, as oh, yeah, a Jeep, Jeep owner. Hey, you know, I have a Chrysler Pacifica 
and there you, you know, go. there's no pressure for specific a wave or anything, but, <laughs> but you know, uh, well, you, you recognize another person with Chrysler Pacifica. I mean, it's like everybody, it, it's one of those things. I, 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 Volvo and over the years, you have your group. Yeah. Yeah. Now, nothing was ever as fun as a Suzuki Samurai. My mom had, you had a little <laughs> beep, beep, hi. You know, that was the, the double wave that we would do in the Suzuki Samurai um, when we were chasing jackrabbits through the field. A whole other story for another day. But, um, and yes, it did high center itself on a berm. Because the toolbox was that the the factory toolbox was mounted underneath the body, perfect uh, under the passenger side. Yeah, perfect. Great location for it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be cool if everybody waved to each other? What would that be like? Huh. <laughs> yeah. What was it? So, isn't it um, English? started the idea of shaking hands because with the right hand because that was usually your sword hand so if we all waved we'd be less likely to uh, (laughs) yeah would that that reduce road rage in any way i wonder i know because then you'd be like well you didn't wave at me (laughs) right now i'm upset now i'm upset i'm upset i'm gonna run you off the road because i got no wave yeah yeah, I, I love the community. So you guys, you did Tucson event. So this was a this sounded like it was a great event. It was our first time doing it. It was a good event. Um, I believe that I counted just over fifty rigs in the parking lot, and that's just jeeps, formal jeeps. The venue that they had this uh, event at uh, this this Hilton East in Tucson was it was an incredible hotel. The staff was very very friendly they were very welcoming to this whole jeep event and they we basically took over the entire back parking lot uh, of this hotel and it was kind of interesting when we first got there thursday night no friday night because the event was saturday we didn't have any place to eat really close by that was convenient and but the hotel had a restaurant so we thought we'd go up and and uh, eat at this you know inside hilton hotel one of the best meals that I've had in a long time. Uh, one of the best steaks I think I've ever had. Wow. A little, little bit on the pricey side, but I got to tell you, like, I'm real, we were really questioning the fact that are we really in just a restaurant inside a hotel? We ended up having a conversation with the restaurant manager who came out, and turns out his parents were from Uray, Colorado. Oh, wow. And he had known... He had known the Uray area, and I had known a number of the people, the real estate agents that that he had known and worked with them years ago. But uh, again, that whole Jeep family, he saw Jeeps and just figured, ah, where are you guys from? And we start talking, and his family lives in the same town I I used to, well, I saw the residence in, I guess. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it it was a great event. And that Mission 22 organization, I, I really had no idea. And uh, the speaker they had there, very emotional. Um, what a good fundraiser. Just an amazing group of people that were very passionate, not only about Jeeps, but about their clubs, the others that were there, making sure everybody was taken care of and happy and m- raising money and supporting Mission 22. So if you guys have questions about what Mission 22 is, please do some digging. Google it. I'll have a link on the 
on the podcast in show notes. But uh, what a what a great group of people! It was a fun event. Well, I'm glad we were able to do that, and it was you know kind of came up, and it's like, yeah, you know, let's let's try to help. And and I really enjoy doing these smaller events. I mean, it's great doing the big ones, but uh, you know, if you have a small event, it's reach out to us. It does not hurt to reach out. Email Corey at MetalClub.com. Um, or, or reach out to me, massivemetalclub.com. I'll usually forward it over to Corey to look at his schedule. This is the time of the year when we're putting together our schedule for the CTI trailer for next year. And um, it's the perfect time if you have an event uh, to let us know, because if we can make it work, then we'll do it. It just turned out that we were able to make this one work um, at that particular weekend. And, uh, and I'm glad that we were able to do that. So and uh, supporting a great event with some a great cause. We love doing that. You know, this was the same weekend as a very large show that was taking place up in Scottsdale. It was the, the Rugged Radio's sponsored. It's it's the Scottsdale Off-Road Expo, but it's kind of the, I think it's a UTV and Off-Road Expo is what they call it. Yeah. More yeah. UTV focus. And you, the last weekend's podcast, you guys heard about it. Andrew McLaughlin was basically there with his group, Let's Roll Off-Road, and representing and partnering with Metal Cloak and Yukon, Garrett Axel, and a couple other companies uh, to represent them there. It's an interesting show because it's very popular, very crowded, and a lot of outdoor stuff, a lot of trailers, and some of these, you know, $50,000 overlanding trailers, uh, super lightweight. Um, when I did that the, the show last year where I drove the jail all the way out there. So, but it's great. But you, you can't do that you can't really avoid events anymore. Right. We're trying to do our schedule. Like we have skills days scheduled for next year or two different skills days coming up. Um, and the possibility of another skills day in Tennessee at some point, because of something we'll talk about in the future, but it's a, um, it's hard to like avoid anything. There's always something going on. It is. And you know, we get as far as, as from modern Jeepers perspective, we get such a, Different, oh, what do I want to say? Um, we get different results out of going to the smaller shows. There's so much more interaction between people. People are more apt to ask questions, want to learn more about this Jeep lifestyle, want to learn more about how to improve their rigs. All of those things tend to work a little bit better at these smaller shows. You know, we, we love going to Easter Jeep Safari in Moab. We love going to Daytona Beach. Those events are so large, though, that we really become kind of a machine of, for as far as the CTI trailer goes, you know, we're trying to get people on and get people off because they don't want to wait in line for hours and hours. But these smaller events, if really, if you're interested in, in kind of learning more about what's going on with your rig, if you're having some issues, those kind of things, we would really like to attend your event. And we also, I mean, from a fundraising perspective, it is hands down the greatest way to have people interact with each other at an event at, at Jeeps and Jingles. Um, had we not been, been there, I think that they would have, that they were very appreciative that we were able to gather everybody out there and people watch all of their friends get on the trailer. And it allowed everybody to mix amongst themselves as well, rather than just sitting in front of your Jeep at a show and shine, you get your award or you vote and then you're, you're gone. So again, if you got a small event coming up, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've got two trailers. It's, it can be difficult to get the one that's based on the West Coast out to events, uh, mainly because it requires me or one of my sales guys to leave the job of 
getting orders through. <laughs> so um, it can be a challenge, but we want to do it. So so please reach out to us. And uh, if we can do it, we will do it. You know, it's, it is interesting, though, because we, with Modern Jeeper, um, we've had some great articles popping up lately, uh, not only from, from Jesse and from Corey and recaps of events, but you know, looking at just today's homepage. So um, we got stuff on land use. We've got stuff on the Ford Bronco and the Jeep Wrangler history. We've got some other stuff popping up. But, you know, this is this is the days of modern media, right? Absolutely. And there's a reason that uh, our ModernJeeper.com website has been gaining popularity. And we have a host of people that contribute to ModernJeeper.com. We don't have anything in print. Speaking of magazines. Yeah, speaking print. of magazines and print. Oh, wow. So you you told me about it first because you texted it over to me. And then we then we heard it officially from the magazine from our uh, from our sales guys over at the magazines. And and for everybody knows, um, just you know, we don't spend a lot of money. We never have spent a lot of money on, on advertising. And so we were kind of ahead of the curve because 12 years ago when we opened our doors, I should say eleven years ago, the Beginning of 2012, January 5th, 2012, will mark the 12th year that Metal Cloak has been in operation. So a um, little anniversary thing. And it will mark the 10th year after the introduction of the Duraflex joint. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. 10th year Duraflex joint anniversary. Right. Um, maybe we'll do a special color. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got the blue 10th year anniversary you joints. blue ones? <laughs> <laughs> so... You kind of have more insight into this than I do. So, what was happening over there? Well, I had I had seen a couple of posts from some close friends, and kind of was curious about what was going on. And then I had a couple of people reach out to me directly, and um, I, you know, there was a there was a meeting, and literally at the meeting, they decided that they were going to eliminate a lot of these print magazines that were well either no longer making money. I'm, I'm not real sure where things end up. I know that those magazines I supposedly will continue to be digital. I know that there's been some communication here. In fact, Scott Becker had a couple of folks that he's been close with over the years reach out to him. And I know that, again, it's, it's a large corporate entity when you produce the number of magazines that 10 did publish. Right. At some point, some of them aren't making as much money as the others, and so they have to be eliminated. Well, we know that they've gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, more lightweight. I mean, even Peterson's, which is the original publication, I mean, they're they're eliminating 19 of 22 titles on print. Um, JP is amongst that, which is the only one we've ever really consistently advertised. And what I was saying before is that from the very beginning, we didn't do print. We kind of did print advertising just so that we could – also run some press releases. It was a pay-to-play type thing, right? Like we want them to pay attention to us and do some stuff. So we just print advertising. For the last year, we've done full page ads with JP. But quite honestly, it was it was it was a good thing to do. But um, it was because we could and we wanted to support them the best we could. It's not because we were getting a lot of business out of it. You know, you get business out of articles, you get business out of, out of reviews, you get business out of word of mouth. We never spent a big ton of money on advertising thinking that was going to be, you know, come get us organically grown. But yeah, the magazines just got smaller and smaller. On the flip side of that, you see magazines like Trails and Crawl, uh, and Crawl 
who are going for a different perspective. They're they're focusing on building a high quality, you know, a coffee table magazine, one you like to leave out and sit there and look through the pictures. And and so they're having success with that. But if you go through the aisles, like you in the stores now, you pick up some of the magazines. There's one called Make. It's like $35 an issue. Wow. And people are willing to pay for it because it's a that's what their market is. But the, the, you either have to go the way that 10 is going, which is now owned by Motor Trend or Discovery, the whole Motor 10 Discovery world. I don't know the corporate structure there, but you either go the way they are, which is they're eliminating the print in favor of digital and online and, and um, stuff like uh, four-wheeler TV that our friend Ian Johnson is doing, this whole world. Or you have to go with this high end, we're going to create a coffee table type thing, we're going to charge more for it to pay for it. I used to do a conference um, called the Technology and Education Conference. And we could have gone different directions. Some conferences now are charging at dollars $2,000, $3,000 to attendees. We hardly charge anything to our attendees. But we did, we charged our vendors. We had high quality vendors who paid a lot of money to be there so that we could have these teachers, because they were teachers. We're not going to charge teachers $2,000 for a conference, but you just have to decide what your business model is going to be. And it looks like TEN's uh, business model is going to be, you know, as digital as it can be. It's it's interesting that you brought that up because I, I think that in any, any businesses, like you said, you have to pick your business model and you're exactly right. It's no different than a Jeep event where you can charge your attendees $25 a piece to, to come in the door and visit your vendors that you've brought in for very little money, or you can let them in for free and charge the vendors for their space. You know, the, the magazines were becoming so expensive for us to advertise in, and it is. It's hard to, how do you track those dollars that you spend? Do you get additional business from it? I think, like you said, companies were spending money advertising in the magazines based on the relationships they've had with these these folks that have been around for years since the magazines were were literally first published. Um, so it kind of became a thing where we were all kind of protecting each other. And again, you have a corporate entity step in and go, you know what, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us. We're going to change things up. I I wish every one of those people the absolute best whatever comes out the other side of this is, is again, it's all part of that evolution. It's no different than us changing the game by, by throwing modernjeeper.com together. When we first started it, we didn't really have a whole lot of a plan. We kind of knew we wanted it to be an additional outlet an additional resource for the fellow Jeeper, but we didn't really know what that looked like going forward. And I think that digital magazines, it's, it's different. There's, a magazine that was in print that you can now get digitally. We miss the feel of being able to turn the page, throw the magazine in a backpack or a suitcase or, or next to the toilet. It's, it's something that we just, we just seem to want to have to, we want to turn the page, want to look at the pictures to do that on a tablet. It changes. It it's, it's just a different feeling. And, Maybe the new generation will be all in. Well, and it's part of that challenge, too, we were talking about. Like, what do you do when you want to go offline? Right. Now you're pretty much forced to be online to be able to change. I mean, there's something about 
sitting down and grabbing your JP magazine and, and sitting in your backyard and just or whatever and just looking through it and reading the magazine. And I prefer paper. I still take notes on paper. You know, I still do stuff on paper. There's a point where digital is great and having your devices. But again, I love going and sitting down, you know, in a restaurant by myself having uh, a cup of coffee and maybe a side of hash browns and with a notepad and start thinking about things or doing some writing. This world of now we're moving away from we're having to do it all digitally like great so some of my favorite writers and favorite technical editors that i like to follow up with in the magazines if i want to follow up with them i have to go online right and that is that's that challenge and i understand it's a financial decision because they have to get lighter why do they get lighter because we're not advertising with them and it's and so they they have a challenge and it's a cost a hell of a lot of money oh, so that's a printed uh, on the flip side they were always old school you know you we talked to john about um john herrick at crawl about how he does stuff and they're you know you're doing stuff now for next month's publication the weird thing about jp and all those i would have to submit something today for four months from now right the march 2020 edition will hit the shelves in december <laughs> yeah, and it's that it's, delay it, that never always. and it, you it, the world there just never shifted and never changed to be this like so we have friends over there we wish all the best to them hopefully they will continue to flourish under a digital world um, yeah hopefully maybe you might see some content coming from some pretty high powered folks uh, in the coming months on modernjeeper.com yeah. you know I'm I'm very guilty I have. Uh, an app on my iPad that I've used forever called Zinio. And Zinio was kind of that first magazine digital reader subscription. You can subscribe to a number of magazines. I think I get three or four magazines a month through Zinio. I think it's been a year since I've opened that app. Oh, wow. But, you know, we we become so accustomed. You were talking about the uh, the conferences and – we used to go to a conference to learn things and sit in front of an instructor and go through that class. Well, now we have YouTube. I can sit and go through that class anytime I want. We have access to so much information now that, you know, maybe this is that turning point, that transition. At ModernJeeper.com, we've tried to be very relevant and very much what's going on right now. And, and, and you know, for a lot of folks, what's next week turns up is maybe not as, I don't know. There's no longevity there. It goes back to this whole photos, how long we take a photo and if it becomes important or not. I don't know. You're you're right though. We might have some people coming over, you know, Phil Howe writes for us occasionally and he was a four wheeler. It was four wheel drive. Four wheel drive or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I can't remember the actual name. But his, you know, that was his publication. And he ran that and did great. And we had some stuff. In fact, we, I think we had a couple cover articles on there. Um, and they, it was one of the early ones to be terminated uh, several years ago. And they, they've been slowly kind of limiting. This is the first, like, fire sale that they've done where they right. just eliminated 19 out of 22 publications for print. Right. That's one thing really a lot of people know. It's for print. All those publications supposedly will still have a digital presence in some form. 
how that is. If it's, I know that they currently kind of merged everything under the four wheeler net yeah. network. So it'll be interesting to see how that changes. And it'll just see how relationships change with the company like Metal Club. But modernjeeper.com, you know, um, we will be growing and expanding. We'd love your feedback if you have some on uh, the website. Um, and we're always looking for ways to make it better, improve it. And uh, we know it's kind of it, it, the way it's set up now. It's it's set up as more of a intimate blog as opposed to a deep, deep news site. And we're hoping to uh, you know get feedback from you on how we can we can make that work because I know we can get more content in there. I know we can do more more stuff, but um, there's a, there's a long way to go. Very uh, true. So, hey, you want to talk Tech Tip of the Week? Let's do it. All right. So, Tech Tip of the Week, uh, Corey and I were discussing this, and last week we had a great one with uh, about Death Wobble with Andrew. But something I took out of that was how he diagnosed Death Wobble. And I thought that'd be interesting to talk about, diagnosing problems, because we have that all the time. We, we, we run into an issue, and I don't know about you, but there's many ways. you got a problem. You either search Google about it, in which case you either get a forum article or some other article. You might actually get like a real tech tip from something. Or you you ask friends or, you know, you call a mechanic buddy or you try to call a shop and ask them. He, even here at Metal Club, our, our sales team, uh, we'll get phone calls about something that has nothing to do with Metal Club products. But somebody just has some advice because they talked to us before and we were very helpful. So... But diagnosing something is kind of a skill set. But as you as a Jeep owner, you have a problem. What kind of the steps should we go through to try to, to solve that? I mean, there's many ways to do it, but I've always felt like you can diagnose a problem yourself. You've got to start with the simplest, cheapest possible answer and then do it. And you'll see that in a shop. But I'll, I'll be the first to say, growing up with a mechanic as a father, we saw this all the time, where people didn't understand why you had shades that how come that didn't fit, fix it how come that didn't fix it but sometimes mechanic even has to go through and say well we're going to try to fix this oh that wasn't it try to fix this that wasn't it it's like a doctor it's the same thing like well i don't know what's wrong with you right now but we're going to take some pictures and we're going to think about it some I think we all have to, you know, at the end of the day, there's got to be an algorithm that exists kind of a, okay. It's, it's remember back in the day we used to call technical support, right? When you couldn't log on to AOL or whatever. And what they ask you, your very first question is, well, is the power on? Right. And we were all thought, this is just ridiculous. These people don't, they can't help me. They're reading the dialogue. Well, you know what? They've found that those dialogues, that, that actual, that's a pretty good first step because a lot of people would kind of go, oh, oh, no, you're right. I should have plugged it in, maybe. Yeah, so, or, or like, yeah, um, turn off your computer for 30 seconds and restart your modem. Yeah, did you restart it? Steve, did you restart oh, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but I think when it, when it comes to Jeeps, you know, we're, we're so limited, again, this whole plethora of information. When whenever we have a problem and we tell somebody about it, it's amazing at how much we leave out of that conversation. <laughs> so you tell your buddy, yeah, you know, I've got this shaking in my steering wheel. Well, what'd you change? Well, I really haven't done anything. Oh, except the wheels and the tires and the track bar. And I put on a new suspension. And other than that, I haven't done anything. Oh, well, <laughs> maybe we should back up a little bit and kind of address that. And I think that is, is internally when, 
when I just recently, my golden spike is torn apart sitting in the garage at home. And uh, literally it's because of the, the ARB twin compressor. And you might go, why is your whole Jeep torn apart? Because the compressor was where we installed it was where it should be installed on the driver's side battery tray, which to get an ARB twin in there, as you guys may or may not know, is a challenge and most of the engine has to come apart. Anyways, <laughs> to diagnose that literally is it's it, where do you start? And you kind of go, look, the, the switches are on or off. Are, is it working? Are the relays working? I mean, you really have to go back to square one to kind of think about what is going on with that particular problem. Same thing when we address steering issues, suspension issues, that squeak that nobody can find that comes from the back of their Jeep. Did it just start or has it always been there? Well, if it just started, then it comes back to what has changed. But we rely on our friends that have experience. We rely on the forums. If you have a shop that you trust and you can actually ask somebody a real question, it's expensive for companies like Metal Cloak, like ARB, like a lot of the other off-road industry folks out there that are in the United States anyway. It's expensive for them to have people on staff that can answer technical questions, especially when it relates to when it's not even their parts. But it's about how all of our parts interact with each other. So, again, it's, it's pretty cool when you can call somebody here sitting in the office that's wanting to sell you a bumper or a suspension – and you're asking them about, hey, I've got this shake in my steering wheel. Think about how what that relationship is like. Um, hopefully, you can call your manufacturer if they speak English and, and kind of have that conversation <laughs> with them. They're probably a very good help because they've probably had the same phone call before or they've probably helped somebody through it. And I guess that's our, our point is – be reaching out to the people that you know you can trust. We can all Google a problem and come up with 400,000 websites that may or may not be good information, but it is. It's, it's that technical way of thinking through something and, and being able to diagnose it. I remember a conversation we had with Larry McRae mm. about how do you build a Jeep, and it kind of became, again, his first question was, well, what do you want to do with it? I mean, people want that more technical. No, I want you to tell me you need a four inch lift and 37 inch tires. And no, no, no. Let's back that up a little bit and kind of start at the beginning of where do you want to go? Right. And that's true. When things are happening, how does it happen? Why does it happen? You know, there's there's a lot of questions that we'll ask when there is a, a problem or an issue. And, you know, we've gotten a call with somebody says, well, I just put on your suspension system. Now I have death wobble. Well, what else did you do? Oh, yeah, I also put on tires and wheels and and this and that. And so there's all kinds of things that could cause an issue. But you have to, one, you have to be totally open and honest. But two, when you're sharing that, and it's okay to go on forums. I mean, like Modern Jeep Forum, share your your problem. We have a whole section called Ask Ask an Expert. Share it. Somebody will come on and answer the question for you. But share all the information because we'll usually ask some other questions. I just got a message from somebody who was wondering about a bump steer that he had. So I had a dozen questions for him before I ever even started to, to respond to it. Part of it was, you know, what are you sitting at? What kind of suspension lift do you have? Well, this guy's a three and a half inch metal hook suspension. He has 
our fenders, he has our skid plates, he has our rear bumper, and he has a spare. But he has a stock front bumper and no winch. So really his rig is out of balance. So the front end of this Jeep is probably sitting more to four and a half inch lift and his rear is more to three and a half. Well, he's gonna have bumps there because now he's at a high, it just, it's off balance. But it took me a dozen questions before I made that diagnosis. I'm not right. gonna jump out there. When you're on a forum and you make a post, you're gonna have a dozen pocket engineers who are who are gonna respond and give you their advice. Many of them have experience, and it's always great to ask that question. Has anybody experienced this? Not just, hey, I'm having this problem, what do you think? Right. Ask the question, has anybody had experience with this? Has anybody else run into this issue? Has anybody else, and then you get a bunch of people say, well, I did and it was this, or I did and it was that. And then when you look at some of these answers, Corey and I were talking about this earlier, you can see on people making comments, especially on forums, how many posts they have. Click on that link because many times it shows all the different posts. And you can actually go in and say, you know what? This guy is just somebody who comments on everything. Or this is actually somebody who is very analytical and is really giving some good advice that you can then follow. Or send a private message to somebody after that. You know, it's, it's, it's okay to, to dig deeper. I guess my point is don't just take it off of a whim that somebody says this is the reason and that suddenly that's the problem. You know, you have to think about it yourself. Part of this, one of the great things about being a Jeep owner is even though we have sometimes we have people who, who build our Jeeps for us, we still need to intimately know our Jeeps. Right. I mean, whether it's Corey who who built his Jeep and did all the work and, and Jesse who built her Jeep and did all the work or you know myself who built our Jeep. But I still have most of my work done by Cloakworks here because I just don't have time to, to, to work on it myself. But you still got to intimately know your rig because most likely nine times out of ten, when you're out on a trail and something happens, there's not anybody there, you know, to to if you're lucky, you're with somebody who can fix you. But Many times there's not. So know your rig and ask the questions and learn about it. You don't have to do the work yourself, but you should know what work's being done. You should know what it takes to do it. And don't be afraid of the fact that when a mechanic who you're paying to diagnose a problem tries to replace the track bar or tries to replace this, he is intimately going through one step at a time, starting with probably the cheapest possible option, to solve the problem for you. And um, and if, you, and if you're not doing that and you want to do it yourself, call your manufacturer, you know, call the guy who did the build, whatever, and just ask the questions. We can, we can solve the problems. We can diagnose it. The, you know, there, there is an issue there. Absolutely. Yeah. But, it reminded me, I, what, what I thought of was pirate days, the pirate forum guys would get on and go, Hey, I've got death wobble. And guess what? They're going to light you up because you should have done your homework before you just jumped on a forum and said, I got death wobble. How do I fix it? Because it's been posted a bazillion times. There's been all kinds of possible solutions out there, but it's up to you to be responsible enough as a Jeeper and go, let me think about this. I know that there's not a lot of Jeeper mechanics out there that have built their own Jeeps, but it doesn't stop you from kind of, thinking about how things work on it. And it'll help you better on the trail, like like <laughs> Matson mentioned. So there's a lot of things out there that you can kind of diagnose yourself. If you think about it, I, I remember I remember a, a comment 
uh, somebody had a, a squeak in the back and, and two people posted their answer was, have you gone with car wash? Well, you know what? The, the car wash will, <laughs> it'll work, but was that really the problem? <laughs> I mean, if, if there was a rock embedded in something and you dislodged it, great. But nine times out of ten, it's something more than that. So Yeah, no, it's very true. I, I, I can use the example of our RV that had a screaming, uh, howling sound coming out. It sounded like a banshee in heat. And I, uh, and I took it over to a diesel specialist. And this was just a few months ago. I took it to a diesel specialist, and he looked at it, and it was the same day thing because we were supposed to go on a road trip. And so he looked at it, called me up, and said it's going to be $1,500 to fix because I have to replace a $900 alternator. It's the alternator. Hmm. Okay, well, it didn't make a lot of sense to me because I haven't had any problems with charging, haven't had any problems with that, so it didn't quite make sense to me. So I paid my $250 diagnosis fee, and I took it back because I wasn't going to spend $1,500 for an alternator when I have Clubworks here to do the work. So Clubworks went in. We set the alternator in, had it rebuilt for a couple hundred bucks, replaced it. Well, first thing I did was have them replace the belt because I thought, well, maybe the belt's just squealing. belt was a little bit old. Wasn't the problem. Still squealing like a banshee in heat. So then we replaced the alternator. Well, guess what? That wasn't the issue. So Scott looks through it, and he's looking around trying to figure out where it's coming from and finds a little cracked head. Or actually, it wasn't even cracked. It was three bolts were loose on the header, and there was a little bit of carbon buildup right around there that he noticed. He tightened those three bolts, and it was done. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. It was a little leak that was causing that. And Corey even mentioned it when, when we were on coming back from Tillamook. He's like, what's that sound? It, it wasn't as bad then. Right. But I had put it in storage after the Tillamook trip, pulled it out, and it was bad, bad, <laughs> bad, bad. And um, it turned out just being exhaustly. And it was just this little thing. You, it can cost money to diagnose a problem. And, and don't be afraid to spend that money because ultimately you are fixing things. It's better for the future, but you get the problem solved and you know more about your rig. That's right. Well, man, it's been another great episode. Definitely. I think this is cool. It's great having you in here. I think we may just like record three or four episodes before you take yeah, off. Yeah, right. I think we should do a couple as we go through the week. <laughs> we, just so our listeners know, you know, we're out here to, uh, there's going to be some changes. Uh, maybe the truck will look a little bit different next year. Uh, when you see us on the road, the CTI trailer should be tuned up pretty well. And uh, I think Jess's Jeep might look a little different as well. You see her at an event. So. Yeah, yeah, getting a little, uh, getting a little gold. Getting a little gold. Getting a little gold from the rock star, rock yeah. star gold. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, hey, uh, Modern Jeepers, thank you again for joining us. This is another great episode. Uh, we really appreciate your support, and as always, support our supporters. Um, which you can see at modern or at uh, was it modernjeepershow.com where all the show notes are posted. Feel free to check out that page because it's also cool. We put a little bit of stuff down there that you don't get if you're just getting this through uh, your iTunes or your other uh, podcast service. So check out modernjeepershow.com where you can see all the past shows that have been there, the show notes from the past shows, uh, and uh, different links to different stuff that we think is cool and we talk about here. And of course, as always, check out our modernjeeperadventures.com for the upcoming adventures. Right now, we're on uh, Moab is live and Death Valley is live. Death Valley is getting filled up fast, so uh, check it out. We have two possible events, so so you would fill up that, and it would be pretty awesome because we're going to be doing some uh, Cerro Gordo this year, uh, camping amongst the um, 
the Joshua trees. I mean, it's just going to be awesome. Are you coming on that trip? Of course. I was about awesome. to say, telling everybody, hey, I'm going to be there. This yeah. Time. Rockstar Jeep Rose in there. Yeah. And Corey, you're going to be in the Rockstar Jeep or you're going to be in Golden Spike? <laughs> We're going to need a little bit more room. So I think we'll be in the LJ. And even if, you know, to be honest, this would be my first quote unquote overlanding style of trip. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to put some thought into this. So give me, give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we can always trade off, you know, I, I, I'll handle the keys to the four, to the four door to you. Right. There and you take go. Golden Spike out to, uh, TDS. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you again for joining us, Modern Jeepers. And as always, you can reach Corey at Corey at medical.com. Matt's at medical.com. You can check us out on Instagram and uh, Rockstar Jeep Girl. You're on Instagram? What's, I am. What's your hat? Is it Rockstar Jeep Girl? Yep. Well, there you go. And uh, like Corey mentioned, check out CTI Tour on uh, on Instagram and Modern Jeep on Instagram, Medical on Instagram, and all that fun stuff. Corey, anything else to say before we sign off? I think that's it. Awesome. Well, my friends, Modern Cheapers, we will see you on the rocks. Cheers. This podcast will self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one.